Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Talk to us today for a few minutes on the last of our summer Sundays. Um, I want to talk to us about uh, our great British garden party. Our last summer Sunday together. Next week we go back to a little bit of maybe normality, whatever that looks like. Um, yesterday I was doing a bit of a sort out, sort out Saturday, and I had this massive crate of cables in our, one of our rooms, and it's one of those crates that you just throw things into when you're not sure where to put. You can come and join me on the drums. That'd be amazing. That's fantastic. Ben, no one's noticed. It's absolutely fine. Wonderful. And I was going through this crate of cables. You know what it's like? You just kind of have these random cables. What I do with it, you put it in the cable crate because one day you never know when you might need those cables. And I went through and I found cables for phones we've never even owned for decades. You know, I found the one for the Nokia brick and the one for the Samsung flip phone. And I found cables for devices that we don't own anymore. I found cables that, you know, we don't need cables because we've got Wi-Fi and wireless. And I went through this box and I was sorting things out and I kept some and threw some others away. When I came across this device. Who knows what this is? I'm a bit concerned how quick you were there, Chris. This is a selfie stick a la 2014. Because that's the year everybody bought one. 2014, it was nominated as the greatest invention by Time magazine. The greatest invention, the top 25 inventions. And you remember that summer, 2014, 2015? It was everyone's on everyone's Christmas list. And that summer, everybody was walking around, weren't they, with selfie sticks. Everybody. Where are they now? They're in random cable crates in my house. But what is it about a selfie stick? In fact, some people call them called the narcissistic. Think about it, the narcissistic. See what I've done? I didn't do that. That was... A free one from Google, I think. But the idea is that we have these selfie sticks and we can take pictures of ourselves using our smartphones, devices, and because our arms aren't long enough, we can use a stick to make the picture bigger and better. And then we can put them online to say, look at me. I'm in some well-known place or I'm with a famous person. Look at me because I'm at the center of your world. Look at me and like me because I've got a selfie image for you to see. And apparently you can tell how old you are by how many selfies per hour you upload. And if you're teenagers, you're completely entitled to put up hundreds. That's okay. If you're in your mid-40s, you shouldn't be putting them up that often. And just a little word of warning for some of you. But this idea of selfie stick and a self-centered, self-focused, self-relying world we live in, it's an amazing thing where suddenly self has become more prominent than ever before. It's not a new thing, but with the ability of social media and Facebook and other activities like that, we have the ability to put ourselves front and center of everything. We say things like, I, at the beginning of our sentence, I want... Because I want, I get. That isn't how it used to be. But now it's like, well, I want this. I, I deserve it. I've earned it. I deserve to go out for that meal. I've worked really hard today. I deserve to get that new device, that new activity. I want to be liked. I want to be popular. I want to get more likes than my friend gets on their Facebook post. In my world, that never happens. If Lottie puts anything up, they've got three million people like it. If I put something quite sensible and wise and thoughtful, I have three well-meaning, probably my parents, who put things up there or something. And it's like, but this idea that I must have the latest phone, the latest device, I must have the latest fashion, the item that makes me feel better about myself. We are living in a self-centered, self-obsessed, self 
programmed world. And yet, when it comes to things of Christian faith, it's exactly the opposite. It's exactly the opposite to a self-centered world. Jesus tells us a very different story. Our gospel message that Jesus gave to us is completely different. And so over these last few weeks, these summer Sundays, we've looked at various different gardens. We've had, right at the beginning, you remember the Garden of Eden, and Hannah and the young people did the the Garden of Eden, told that story. And then we had the Promised Land, which Natasha brought to us. And then we had, um, maybe it's right, the the Power of the Sower from Trevor and Elaine. And then we had Jesus, I'm the vine, and my Father God, he is the gardener from John 15. And then last week, we looked at the Garden of Gethsemane. Paul and Joe did a great job from what I hear, and talking about what what happens when you're squeezed, is that right? What comes? out under pressure and the idea of Jesus there when he was under that pressure he's there praying in John 17 the garden you know he's saying God will my people be united would they be one and if you could take this cup from me do so but if not your will not mine be done now Jesus himself I'm not going to do what I want to do he's saying to his father God I want to do what you are calling me to do and today is our last garden theme we're going to look at the story of the garden tomb The moment Jesus completed his mission, we start in the Garden of Eden, we're ending in the Garden Tomb. And in a moment, we're going to interact a little bit with this story. Because in the story, of, if you go to John 19, John 20, you will see this story where Jesus has died. He's, he's been crucified on, on Friday. And there's this moment where two different uh, characters, Joseph and Mary, not the Joseph and Mary, the parents of Jesus, but Joseph of Arimathea, he says, I've got a tomb And you can place the body of Jesus in my tomb. He had a new tomb ready for him and his family. And it was near to Golgotha where Jesus was crucified. He said, you can use that place and place the body there. And you know the story. The body was placed in the tomb. The stone rolled in front, sealed, and Roman soldiers placed on guard. The next day, the Sabbath, the Saturday, was a time of rest for the Jewish people. But on the Sunday morning... They came along, the woman came along with their spices to put in the body to stop it from smelling and to have a proper burial for Jesus. They came along and what happens? They find the stone is rolled away. They find that there is no body in the tomb anymore. They go back and tell the guys and they have a race. And John, the writer of the book, reckons he was faster than Peter. And they run to the tomb, they look inside and he's gone. And they run around telling everyone they can imagine, Jesus is alive, he's not here. And then Mary Mary Magdalene comes and she stands in the entrance of the tomb and she looks and she sees nothing. But there are two angels, two men dressed in white. And she said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's alive. He's risen. And one of the most beautiful moments in scripture, Mary turns and to walk out of the tomb and she bumps into a guy she assumes is the gardener. How beautiful is that? She assumes he must be somebody caring for the garden tomb that she is in. And she says, oh, you don't understand. And he uses her name. He says, Mary. And as soon as she uses the, he uses the name, she goes, Rabbi, teacher. She knows who he is by the sound of his voice speaking her name. What, what a really beautiful moment. And in that, in that moment, Jesus has overcome death, has conquered sin, and is now alive. He is resurrected. He has risen from the dead. He has overcome. That's the significant moment. Jesus' mission has been complete. His mission was never just to come and hang out with 12 guys and tell stories. His mission was never just to die and that was it. 
His mission was to overcome, to take our sins upon himself and to become a risen Lord Jesus, to go back to be with his Father in heaven, to leave his followers with the, the Spirit of God upon them so they could go into all the world to tell the news, a good news of Jesus and to make disciples. That was always the mission for Jesus to do his job so that we could do ours. Jesus' mission was to die to himself. Luke 19 says he came to seek and save the lost. He was never looking for the big platforms. He had thousands of people following him, thousands of people listening to him, thousands of people interested in what he was going to do next. But Jesus often went to the quiet places. Jesus died to himself and he said, God, I will do what you call me to do, not what the popular people would like me to do. And he chose to die to himself and die physically so that we could have life, John 10.10 10 says, and life to all its fullness. It's the gospel message. Matthew 16 says this, earlier before Jesus died, he said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? The words of Jesus 2,000 years ago could not be more true today. What is it if you gain everything but lose your very soul? Or in Luke 9, he says, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. The Christian life is not about self-promotion. It is all about self-denial. It's not about self-promotion. The the, the total concept of the selfie stick and Instagram and Facebook and, you know, Snapchat and all the social media is all about putting myself at the center. The Christian life is not about self-promotion, but self-denial. Francis Chan, American author, said this. The whole world says, love yourself. Grab all you can. Follow your heart. Jesus says, deny yourself. Grab your cross and follow me. So true, isn't it? The world says, love yourself, grab all you can, follow your heart. But Jesus says, deny yourself, grab your cross and follow me. Now, I want to be brief this morning because I know the children here, you're doing really well so far. And I could spend a lot more time on this. But we have started creating a new type of Christianity that says, I can have everything the world says. And I can have everything that Jesus says. But I don't think Jesus gives us that option. I think we've started creating a, a, a message. And I think sometimes people who preach on stage have created a, a popular message that says, you can have everything you want. If you believe it and hope for it, God will give you everything. And you can have everything you want. And you can have faith in Christianity and eternal life. Jesus says, take up your cross every day. Deny yourself. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, give up everything. Give it all to the poor and then come follow me. He said to when they said, your, your family at the door. I've got no family. He said, let the dead bury their own dead. Those sort of stories haven't become very popular recently. They don't align themselves with, uh, can we have a comfortable Christian life, please, and a free pass to heaven. There is a choice we make to deny ourselves and to follow Jesus. Another uh, theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, says this, to deny oneself is to beware only of Christ. Just stop there for a moment. To beware only of Christ. 
and no more of self. To see only him who goes before and no more the road which is too hard for us. Life is difficult. Life is challenging. But if we keep our eyes focused upon Jesus rather than our self and our trials, it's amazing how much more life is, not easier, but more um, we can get through it because we know God is with us. It's amazing how those bumps in the road don't feel so big when we see our future hope in front of us. But if we suddenly get all self-obsessed and self-focused, suddenly everything, look at me, what's happening to me, poor old me. And God says, look up, look up and see. Stop worrying about yourself and start focusing on him. The world says we need to be at the center. Look after number one. Look after me. Put yourself first. But Jesus says, no, if you put God first, everything else follows. Jesus came and acted that out, didn't he? He was the servant king. He could have stayed up in heaven. He chose to come down to earth to kneel on his feet and to wash the dirty feet of his followers. He could have said, I'm a big deal. You can buy a ticket for my next stadium tour. I'm going to be on every single poster, on every single side of every building. But Jesus said, no, i am come to serve. I've come to find those who are hurting. You know, a doctor comes for the sick. I'm not just here for the wealthy. I'm here for the poor. I'm here for the marginalized. Jesus came for those who many people want to push to one side. The world says, look at me. Jesus says, look at my father. I just want to put to us, as we come to the end of this summer season, we enter a new season, both in church and maybe different things go on in your life, whether you appear off to university or to school, an opportunity to say, actually, I want to reflect on self. And what could we deny? Sometimes in the scripture, it's about dying to self. But I want to talk about denying, because I think it's important we have ourselves, our souls are a really important part of who we are. But it's choosing to say, I'm hearing what myself wants, but I'm deciding to do something differently. My natural man wants this stuff. Listen, I've got a list, as long as you like, ask Lottie, of all the toys and gadgets and gizmos I would love to have. That is not a problem getting you a list of wants. But I'm choosing to say, God, you first. And all those other things, they'll work themselves out. But you first. You become my focus. Could we deny ourselves that Christ will truly live in each one of us? Let's get the worship team up as I just read a couple more verses to you. Galatians 2 says this. um, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. How true is that? If you call yourself a Christian today, that should be your story. It's not me. It's him living in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Or Galatians 5, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, it says, the flesh with its passions and desires. The victory of Jesus in the garden tomb is a victory we all get to participate in. Jesus' death and resurrection is an invitation to say, you can do the same. You can die off yourself and you can choose to be with God and follow his ways and his purposes. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.